Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Let's get into the inerrant, the inspired, the infallible Word of God. Today, we believe that the Word says and promises us that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of our God endures forever. God's word is not going away anytime soon. Uh, we're following up our, our, our theme this month is called Musical Chairs. If you weren't here, we'll kind of bring you along on the, on the flow. But today's message is called Keep Climbing, Keep Climbing. Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going to begin. I alluded to it last week, but it really became a prophetic thought. Matthew 5 verse 1 from the message says this. When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, becoming worldly successful, he climbed a hillside. He went up to another level He wasn't just looking for big crowds, okay? Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. Let me say that again. The committed climbed with him. The committed climbed with him. Committed people climbed with him. Sorry, my mic is kind of messing up here in in the air conditioning and everything else. Anyway, the committed climbed with him. Arriving in a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. I love that. And this is what he said, and we call his message here the Sermon on the Mount, the most powerful sermon in world history. And he did it climbing. Genesis 11, I want to tell you a little story. I've only, I've only preached this text maybe once of the last you know, years and years. It's a little-known kind of a passage. It's the genealogy of Abraham, Abram. It says in Genesis eleven twenty six. Now Terah, that's Abraham's dad, lived seventy years and begot Abram, Nahor, and Haram. This is the genealogy of Terah. Terah begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran begot Lot, and we all know Lot. Okay, that was Abram's nephew. And Haran died before his father Terah in his native land in the Ur of the Chaldeans. Now in verse thirty one. And Terah saw his son Abram and his grandson Lot. He took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife. And they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. Terah took the family toward Canaan. It's a picture I want you to get today. We talk about Abraham's journey, but his father began the journey and never finished. Let's, let's look at what happened. They went out from them, the early counties, to go to the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran, a city with the same name as his son that passed away. And they came to Haran and they dwelt there. So, in the, day, so the days of Terah were 205 years and Terah died in Haran. We're going to talk about it in a moment. Let's pray right now one more time. God, would you open the eyes of our heart today? We avail ourselves to you. We, we trust in you. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Would you lift up some of these words today and quicken them to the hearts of people that are listening to bring a shift and a change in Jesus' name, amen. This month we're looking at an illustration about spiritual identity 
Every person, we said, is living in one of three chairs. Like I said, if you missed this last week, please go back and watch it. You kind of get something you don't, I don't get to really paint now. Every person in the world is living in one of three chairs or systems. You're either living in what we described as chair three, which is the system of the world or the kingdom of this world. You're living in chair two, which is uh, you're in the chair of salvation. You've crossed from death to life and you're born again. But you're not living in the fullness of freedom. You're living in, in chair two. It's still kind of the kingdom of self and the kingdom of fear. Okay? You're, 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 you're in betwixt and between. And chair one is the place of freedom. Chair one is where you begin to know who you are in him and who he is in you and how God wants to move through you. And you're no longer striving. You're not breaking out. So anyway, uh, this, is, this is what we're going to talk about today and continue that thought. We call it musical chairs because we said it last week at the end, because of the cadence or pace of life. We find ourselves trapped sometimes in these two chairs because we're, because we're running through our lives and things are going by so quickly that we're not really connecting with God and finding ourselves all the way in. Listen, if, you were, if you're in church, if you're born again, if, when you die, you're going to heaven. That's okay. That's great. But that's not all there is. There is chair one. There is a place, the Bible says, that, that spiritually, Ephesians 2 says, we are seated together with Jesus in heavenly places. We are spiritually on track and spiritually connected to him, okay? So I'll tell you, as I, as I start over today, I'll kind of say it this way. Once upon a time, there was a little girl named Goldilocks. And she had three chairs, not three bears. And one was too hard, and one was too soft, and one was just right. Okay? So I'm trying to get you to aspire, and we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, now today, I, I want to rearrange the deck a little bit. And I'm going to pull chair three out, okay? We're not going to deal with chair three today. This is the chair of the world. Uh, I'm not going to deal with this. Now, listen, for chair three, I wanted it to be so uncomfortable. We, I, I was going to use just a very uncomfortable stool, but I didn't want to have to get a stool sample. So anyway, <laughs> and see if, see if it was going to work. Anyway, glad more than three people got that one anyway. <laughs> Chair three, we're going to set aside because, listen to this scripture. This is John 16, 33 from the Amplified, the words of Jesus. Jesus said this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. This is the Amplified Bible. You may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world, in chair three, you will have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration but be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world to move you up. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. So chair three today is conquered, and we're going to push it to the side and just deal with these two, okay? Uh, I want to remind you also as we talk today, chair one is, is the aspiration. It's not, nobody sits in this chair, but Jesus 100% of the time. 
You're invited into this chair. But things, the, the forces at work in this world are always trying to pull you back. And so I had a lot of people that talked to me during the eight days of prayer, and they said, Pastor, uh, what about the fractions? I said, what do you mean the fractions? They said, well, I'm kind of in, uh, in chair two and a half, <laughs> or, or chair uh, one and three quarters. You know, I'm, I kind of see myself in that. So, so I understand you're in no man's land, but I understand um, you, you will go back to chair two once in a while just because life happens. So don't beat yourself up. But the point today is you're not supposed to live here. You're not supposed to live in chair two. You're supposed to live in chair one. You're supposed to live close to God, growing in the faith, building a relationship, finding intimacy with him so that you can find out what your inheritance really is. When you're intimate with God, you can find out exactly what he's doing and saying. So uh, uh, you are designed to live in chair one. You are born to live in chair one. That is your inheritance. That is, that is a part of what God wants to do in you. But moving up is hard sometimes. Getting out of this, out of chair two, getting out of this difficult, it, it's situational sometimes. There, you know, there's something called the law of gravity, and the law of gravity is always trying to hold you down to earth. It's always trying to push you down, hold you down, hold you back. Chair one, we said last week, I said in the prayer meeting, it may be a recliner where you can work with God and he can work through you in a place of rest. But it's not a lazy boy. It's not a lazy boy. It's not a place of inactivity or nothing required of you. It's you and God working together, okay? So <clears throat> gravity is a natural force that always tries to pull you down or backward, and it's the same spiritually. Now, I want to say this at the beginning of 2024 because this is really important because a lot of people get, they, they, at the beginning of the year, we make resolutions like Pastor Chris said, and we go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose weight. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get in shape. Uh, I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to get to work earlier. I'm going to stay later. You know, if you have, all, you have all these things you want to do. I spend more time with the family, whatever. Growth or change never takes place without being intentional. Gravity is what happens when you're not managing and you're not putting forth the energy and the desire to grow and change. Growth is never default mode. Nothing ever gets better by default. You can, you can, you, if you bought a Maserati today, and I hope you do, because I want to drive it. <laughs> if you went out after church today and bought a Maserati, and you went home and said, man, it's so beautiful. I don't, I don't want to mess it up. I, somebody might scratch it. Somebody might hit it. Uh, I don't want to mess it up. It's so beautiful. And you just left it in the yard and parked it there for two years, your Maserati is not going to get better. It's certainly not going to get faster. And it's not going to look better either. It's going to get worse. Why? Because everything in this world since the fall of Adam gets worse, not better. That's why I laugh when people talk about evolution because supposedly everything is getting better and growing and changing and we won't have earlobes in 500 years and blah, blah, blah. There's no evidence for that. 
That's a pipe dream and wishful thinking. Even those of you that are science teachers, you may have to teach that as a theory, but they don't teach it. They say the theory of evolution, but they don't really teach it as a theory. They teach it as fact, and it's not a fact. Why? Because everything in the universe exposes the fact that, that things left to themselves don't get better, they get worse. Mus Muscle-wise, we, uh, we call it atrophy. If you don't use it, you're going to lose it. If you don't work it out, it's not going to get stronger, it's going to get weaker. It's the same spiritually. Atrophy is the regression of needed muscles, losing strength and form because of, because of misuse or non-use. That's another part of the downward pull. Growth in any area of life must be managed, planned for, not wished for. It's never accidental. Your marriage doesn't get better accidentally. Because you're doing, oh, well, we're, we do, we just been, we've been together a long time. Congratulations. The moment you start mailing it in, my friend. Used to be a song, uh, Barbara Streisand, I think, sang it. You don't bring me flowers anymore. The moment you stop writing love notes, the moment you stop bringing flowers, the moment you, start, you stop the romance, the thrill is gone, baby. <laughs> that's when, it, 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 and, you, and you say, and that's where people wind up in, my, in our office saying we, we fell out of love or we grew apart. No, you grew apart the first day you, you started mailing it in and taking it for granted that this person is going to be with you and still have those uh, googly eyes that they did when you were younger. And it doesn't happen like that. Uh, love changes. I don't know why I'm doing all these songs. I've got a thousand songs in my mind. Love hurts. Love scars. Anyway, my first rock concert I ever went to. Eric Carmen and Sweet, the Sweet. Anyway, I'll keep going. Most of you have no idea who those two people or those groups are. Anyway, you have to, if you want something to grow, it, let's say, if you want to be in a stronger place in 2025 when we have our eight days of prayer or 10 days of prayer, whatever we do next year, if you want to be stronger next year than you are this year, you can't just show up and pray at the beginning of the year and then go, okay, good, we're good, we're good. Why? Because it's a relationship, not a religion. It's a relationship, not a religion. It's not a religion. See, we get in chair two, we get the idea that um, the denomination really got me saved, so I don't need any more. The denomination I was raised in, there, you know, well, I've got, I've, I was born this, and so I'm, always, I'm already right with God. No, you're not. You may be right with God, but only through Jesus, not through your denomination. You're not right with God through where you got baptized. You're not right with God because you do all the right formulas and you bow and you genuflect and you cross yourself or whatever else. It's not, and I'm not putting down any particular thing. I'm just saying to you, in this room, there are people from every kind of background you can imagine. And we only found that the only way we could get out of chair three to chair two was through Jesus Christ accepting him into our hearts as our personal savior. It wasn't because somebody else, it wasn't because grandma prayed for us. Grandma prayed for us, which meant the Holy Spirit dealt with us, but life happens. And the chair doesn't save you. 
Relationship with Jesus does. Now, growth in that, you have to plan, prepare, strategize, and then start. You have to begin. See, you can, you can plan all day long, but if you never start to work the plan, then the plan just it goes to the wayside. In, in, um, I thought of an analogy. So when I, was, uh, when, I, when I was a kid, my parents made me take, my parents are both uh, teachers, retired teachers, and both musicians. And they made me take uh, five years of piano lessons when I was a little boy, which I hated almost every moment. But they were like, you're going to get this foundation. Now, I wish I had kept playing, by the way. You know, PL, PL never had a lesson, and he just gets up and just has a gift. I was strapped to the piano bench for five years of punishment with, a, with, a, with, a, with my piano teacher that uh, only, play, only let me play classical music. I, I, I was trying to play, you know, let me play. I, do you know this song by Deep Purple? She said, no, I don't know. I don't know Smoke on the Water. I said, well, that's what I want to play. I want to play Smoke on the Water. So sixth grade came up. I'm going to middle school. I said, Can, I, want to, I want out of piano lessons, please. My friends teased me. I want out of piano lessons. They said, okay, if you take a band instrument in middle school, then we'll let you out of piano lessons. Then you got to learn an instrument. So my dad had apparently played trombone in, the, in his high school, and he still had the ancient trombone from back in uh, the Jurassic period <laughs> in the attic and brought it out and gave it to me, blew the dust off, and gave it to me and said, learn on this. And... I, it was a gift. I, 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 was, I was pretty good. I mean, I mean uh, so in sixth grade, uh, what you would do then is you would compete with all the other trombone players to get from whatever chair you were in to first chair. First chair was the aspiration. And so you could actually challenge. You know, there were days when you could challenge whoever was second chair. I want to challenge you to a playoff. And we would play something. Um, and read, read, sight read some music, and we would move up. Sixth grade, I made, I made first chair so quickly that they put me in the seventh grade band. Then I started challenging the seventh graders, and I made it up to first chair in seventh grade band. So by Christmas, they put me up. I'd only been playing five, six months. By Christmas, they put me into advanced band, the eighth grade band. And I started challenging these guys, and I made it to first chair with the eighth grade band in sixth grade. And they hated me. <laughs> they hated me. By the, uh, by the time I got to eighth grade, I made first chair all county bands, Seminole County Schools. I was first chair, best trombone player in, in that age group in the whole county. That was a big, big deal. But it took so much energy I never got better by just throwing, even though I had a gift. I didn't just, I couldn't just, I had to practice. <clears throat> I had to practice. I had to use what I had to keep growing. To strategize for something means that you have to say to yourself, how will I grow? I had to practice a lot. And I had to teach myself, I had to challenge myself to play things that were really hard to keep moving up. 
I actually had, uh, my dad had, had friends that worked at Disney, and if I'd have kept going, at, by the time I was 16 or 17, I kind of had an opportunity where I, I probably could have gotten a job at Disney playing trombone at 16 or 17 years old. But you know what I did? I quit in ninth grade. Because in ninth grade, we were going through desegregation, and they bust uh, all of us to the old uh, black high school in Sanford, and they bust all, everybody else then to the, everybody 10th, 11th, 12th grade were all bust to the old white high school, and, and everything was topsy-turvy, and, and my band director was 100 years old, <laughs> seemingly, and they kind of kept him on to kind of encourage him toward retirement. And, and it was so rough. There were so many fights every day. There were, I mean, there were fights every day. I'm talking about 1975, 1976. And there were fights in school every day. And it was dangerous. And I just said, I don't, I don't want to play. I don't want to play. So I quit. The problem with quitting is it becomes a habit. To grow takes strategy. You have to say to yourself, how will I grow? And what will I have to do differently in order to grow? And, so, and I want to challenge you spiritually with that. Somebody said to me one time, mountain-moving faith usually comes with a pickaxe, not a helicopter. In other words, you're never usually vaulted over the mountain that's in front of you. You're given a pickaxe of faith to chip away at it. That's how growth happens. Step by step, inch by inch, day by day. You move mountains, but you usually don't fly over your obstacles. So I want to explore this thought today. I want to talk to those who only go part way on the journey and then back off or quit. I want to talk to you at home. I want to talk to you in this room because it's so important. Why do some people have more difficulty than others moving from chair two to chair one or even living in chair one because they keep being pulled back to chair two? Notice the names in the Genesis passage today. Everything in the Bible means something. There's nothing in the Bible, no one in the Bible, insignificant to God. And sometimes if you just want to do a cool word study, when you're reading some of the Old Testament especially, look up what, the, what those words mean, the Strong's Concordance. You can do it so easily online, it takes 10 seconds. And you can find out what these names, names provide insight, names of cities, names of people, all these different thoughts. One reason people camp out in chair two is found in our text, in Abram or Abraham's backstory. His father was named Terah, and Terah or Terah in the Hebrew means a station, a stopping point, or delay. That's what his name means. Look it up. Terah, a station, a stopping point, or delay. Scripture says Abraham's father worshipped idols. And that God began to deal with him about the journey of their family to make. I noticed years ago uh, that Terah first started out to lead his family to Canaan, the land promised by God. But he never made it all the way. His name became synonymous with stopping before you're supposed to. That's what his name means. 
Stopping off, delay, a, a station, a stopping point before you're supposed to stop. He never made it out of the chair he was in. Why? Terah had three sons. Abram means exalted father. Nahor, his second son, means snorting or snoring or breathing hard. He must have been a real trip to travel with. No wonder they went from place to place wandering. They were nomads because they were so mad. Anyway, so. But Haran, the youngest son, the one that, had, that, that did procreate and have, have a, a boy named Lot, his name means mountaineer or one who dwells on the mountain or the high places. One who climbs. One who climbs. Heron had a son named Lot, and apparently he died at a young age, perhaps tragically. Along the way to Canaan, Terah, the Bible says, stopped at a city called Haran. Is that a coincidence that it's the same name as his son that died? I don't think so. I believe that he stopped at the city, probably a mountainous city, named after his son, because there all he could think about was what he had lost. Are you awake today? All he could think about was what he had lost and the pain. My friends, grief and disappointment are often the root causes of failure and keep you from moving forward in a relationship with God. Grief and disappointment often keep you bound to chair two instead of living by faith in the Son of God in chair one. It, it is so crucial that you get a hold of God. You, you can't grow or move on to chair one if you're always dealing in the back of your mind with all the grief and the disappointment. So many folks become roadkill on the highway of life because in a time of trauma, tragedy, the death of someone they love, or deep disappointment, they secretly blame God. And why do they sometimes blame God? Because other chair two people said dumb things. Like, well, God took them. Well, God needed another angel. By the way, we don't turn into angels when we die. That's not what the word says. Nobody, if you grow wings when you die... Uh, that's not a good sign. Okay? There's no, uh, there, there's, n- there's nothing in scripture about playing harps on clouds. That's from Tom and Jerry. The gospel of Tom and Jerry. Not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay? True. That's where we get these pictures as kids. Even the innocent stuff when we were kids. Understand what keeps you in chair two is anything that can put a wedge between you and Jesus, between you and God. You're born again, but in the back of your mind, God caused something bad to happen to you. And it's just not true. Our God's a redeemer. And my God is able to turn everything 
for those who love him and according to his purpose, he is able to turn it for good. Turn it for good. It doesn't mean it is good. It doesn't mean it feels good. It doesn't mean it's good when you're going through it. He's able to turn it for good. Why? The enemy of your soul wants to tell you how bad God is. Or try to convince you he doesn't love you. And it's just not true. It's absurd. It's ridiculous. There were chair two people want to tell those that are hurting, instead of just saying, I love you, I don't have words to describe, we all want to give unasked for advice and tell people dumb things when they're hurting that aren't true, that, 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 are, that are repeated from other generations that said stuff like, well, the, you know, God needed another angel. He, he's, he, the, the Lord took him. He must have just, he just, he must have just uh, loved him so much that he caused that accident to happen. That is not true. That's a lie from the pit of hell. God so loved the world that he gave Jesus to die in our place so you can live forever. I would say when people get stuck in chair two, they don't really know our father very well. And so they try to paint pictures of our Heavenly Father that, that aren't scriptural, that aren't biblical. I said this way, people who sit in chair two for too long become critics. That's why you got to guard yourself from just becoming another religious person. Because eventually what you do is you'll sit in this chair, and if you sit here too long, you'll just create your own theology, and you'll go to heaven when you die if you know Jesus, and you keep you know, live for him. But in chair two... You get a jaded view of the world because you're not in freedom. You're not in victory. You're trying to get something. You're trying to, trying to work it up and work it out. But you're, and so you, the, the tendency is if you sit in a religious seat. Listen, remember, Jesus himself had no problem with the people living in chair three. Women that were prostitutes could come to him and worship him and find him and have a relationship with him. Adulterous women. People that were broken, hurting. Jesus never shied away from chair three. Jesus never shied away from chair one. But you read Matthew chapter 23, some other places in scripture, when Jesus is dealing with Pharisees, and he said, here's the problem with you guys. You make people twice as fit for hell as yourself. And not only do you not get all the way into the kingdom of what God, the functional system of, what, of which life works best, the, the kingdom of God, not just salvation, the kingdom of God, the functional system of God working, not only do you not get into it, Pharisees, but you block the way from others. That critical spirit where you sit here and you got and you got God all figured out. You have an infinite God all figured out with your finite melon. And it's not and it's not working for you. And like Tara, Abram's father, maybe you reached a point where all you can see is what you've lost. He died in Haran after his son Haran had died. I don't know that he named that city Haran, but I, I suspect 
If God wanted us to know, he would have told us in Scripture. But here's my, my opinion, my suspicion. This is not gospel. This is just me. That they stopped halfway to Canaan. And Grandpa, all he could obsess over was the son he'd lost. In order to honor him, he named the city after him, and he went no further. If you don't get better, you'll always get bitter. Abram had to gather up the family after his dad died and take them forward with God. And that's when God said, I want you to leave your father's house and and go to the land I will show you. That's when all that happened. I want you to go all the way to the promised land. And he even took his nephew Lot, which came to be a lot. Is that you today? Are you hurting? Are you still hurting? Are you disappointed? Are you still believing stuff that critics told you about God that you somehow received in your heart and believed in your, believed in your mind and you took hold of it and now it's in you, even in the back of the corner recesses of your mind, you're, it's back there trying to tell you that God isn't good, that God isn't enough, and that God doesn't love you enough, that he, he may love you enough to save you and take you to heaven, but he certainly doesn't love you enough to bless you on earth. It's a lie. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Are you still disappointed? Are you living in your disappointment and dysfunction? Are you living, are you secretly angry with people or angry with God? Are you blaming? Somebody said in the prayer meeting this week, if you're blaming, you're not growing. If you're blaming, you're not growing, and it's so true. Are you angry that God didn't come through in your way, in your time? Welcome to chair two, my friends. Today's your day of healing. Tonight can be a moment where you and God get it all out there. It's time to let all that hurt go, all that misguided pain. You have to repent of any fear or doubt or wrong belief. You have to repent of that. Fear isn't a feeling. Fear is you've decided to trust in circumstances more than trusting the word of God and your heavenly father. When Jesus began to break through, impacting the crowds of people, he started climbing even higher up the mountain. When he started breaking through, the Bible says when the crowds grew, he started climbing. He didn't go, okay, this is great. We're going to do a mega, a mega congregation here. This is fantastic. We finally made it. Woohoo! He climbed to see who would climb after him. He reserved chair one revelation for those who wanted to move up to first chair. Here's our takeaway. And those who were committed to him climbed with him. Then he sat down. Then he sat down and he began to teach and share the Sermon on the Mount 
He taught us climbing companions. Not just the multitudes. Not everybody went on the journey. Some were content to go halfway up and then stay there. My friends, it's time to come up higher. It's time to come up to chair one. It's time to keep moving. And it's time to keep climbing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Lord, I just pray that you would deliver your people, that you would set us free. And I pray specifically, Lord, for for those that are trapped, those that are hurting, those that are still blaming an ex-spouse or an ex-relationship for where they are now, those that are stuck blaming parents, I didn't get hugged enough. I didn't get this enough. My parents, my parents, my parents. Can I tell you something? Just keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for a moment. Can I just tell you something? Your parents did the best they could with what they had where they were. Isn't that fair enough? They did the best they could with what they had where they were. We're talking with somebody this week about that. It's so important that you remember so that you're not painting this picture of your own perfection, but blaming your parents for all the impurities and all the challenges and all the things. No, 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 no. Somebody needs to make peace with that right now. I'm just going to say it right now in the room. Somebody needs to make peace with that fact right now that your parents did the best they knew how to do. Even if, whether they knew God or they didn't know God. And then maybe your kids will give you a little break to know you've just simply done the best you could with what you had to deal with at the time. And then we can all move forward. Come up higher. If you're here today and you're still sitting in chair two or 2.35 or one and a half, You're fractionally moving. Today's the day of freedom. My friends, you get to chair one because he loves you, not because you love him. You get to chair one not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. You get to chair one by simply yielding and discovering who he is, who God is through Jesus Christ, his son. If you're here today, you don't know Jesus as Lord, you can be born again today and just get, you can step out of chair three living and right into chair two where you're going to get to. That's a, it's a, it's a, it's a stopping off point, but it's not the final destination unless you choose it. But it's a start. I just feel to close it down right here and we'll pick it up again tonight for those of you who want to come back. But I say this to you, don't be Tara. Don't be the stationary, I'm stopping off because I'm hurting. Lord, I pray for every person who's hurting right now, every person who's been tormented, every person who's been stabbed in the back, every person who's been disappointed, every person who thought it was God that hurt them, 
Every person that's been stuck, every person that's been held back by their own thinking, by their own belief system, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you, that this is your day of freedom. I prophesy to you, this is a day of freedom. This is a day of abundance. This is a day of discovering the fullness of his grace, the totality of his love. Paul said in Ephesians 3, I wish that you would know the width and the height and the depth and the fullness of his love. Then you would know the God of exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can even ask or even think according to the power that's working in us. Will you release that today? I'm not going to have you stand up or anything, but just with your head bowed just for a moment. If, you've, if this message has touched you in some way, whether you're at home or whether you're in the room, Pastor Chris talked earlier about engagement, engaging your spirit. Sometimes you have to do an action, a prophetic action to say, yes, that's me. I'm not going to have you come up to the front. We'll pray for you tonight. But if you're here and you say, Pastor, I have been a halfway person or a three-quarters person or I've had these things I realize today and I want freedom right now, would you just lift your hand up right where you are? Just lift it up. We're not going to, like I just pray a general prayer for you now, but tonight we will pray for every one of you who wants prayer. Powerful moment. Lord, I pray for every person whose hand is raised, even at home, every person whose heart is open, and I pray for healing. Lord, we release the healing power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ to bring wholeness, to bring life, to bring more life, to bring abundant life. Lord, we just pray that you would fill them up to overflow tonight with joy. I release the spirit of joy in your life today. I release the spirit of laughter into your life today. I release you from the depression and the darkness of the past, from the disappointments and the hurts of others. We release them. We choose to forgive them and we move forward in faith all the way with Jesus without backing down. Lord, bless each one of those whose hands are raised to live free in chair one. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Did you get that today? Did you get something today? Give him praise. Give him honor. Give him glory. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, event registration, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you.